Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Happy New Year! If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast. In particular, I'm highlighting Public Domain Video Theater, which after its annual December hiatus is going to be back starting on the weekend of January 12th to the 14th, and we are going to be continuing for the next few months to play episodes of Dangerous Assignment and U.S. Marshal, but we have some exciting things planned for the year ahead, and you can follow us at videotheater.greatdetectives.net, as well as on YouTube. Well, now we're going to get into this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial. As usual, we will be playing the first two episodes today, and the remainder on Friday, so if you're minded to listen to the complete serial together... Hit the pause button and then come back on Friday to listen to the rest. So here from August 6th and August 7th, 1956, is The Older Matter, Episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Vic Kelly, Johnny. Worldwide Mutual. How's your Spanish? CC, Senior. Mother told me there'd be days like this. One egg in your beer? I gotta be a linguist yet? You may have to be a lot more than that to unscramble this one. Tell me about it. Oh, uh, price is still the same, though. Get on over here, will you? Sure, but give me a little hint. I'd like to start worrying early. All right. Try this. William Billy Alder. The promoter? World's number one salesman? Up again, down again, Alder? The same. And at this point, he's up. Up to his ears in Venezuelan oil. We're carrying a quarter of a million life on him. Ooh, I'd settle for the premiums, Vic. How come you're worrying? worry two carrying coverage that size, especially with Alder behaving like he is. Like? Like changing his beneficiary five times in a month. What would you say that means? Means I'll be right over. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office Worldwide Mutual Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Alder matter. Expense account item one, $1.35. The price of being taxied to Vic Kelly's office at Worldwide Mutual. For a normally easygoing fella, Mr. K had a bad case of how did I ever get into this? $250,000. That's a big policy. Big. You look like the claim's already been filed. Smile a little, Dad. Yeah, sure. At least fill me in. How much do you know about Billy Alder? Oh, just surface stuff, what the headlines say. Promoter, wildcatter, super salesman. Fellow with a flair for selling anything. Why? Well, that's what's rough. I can't give you too much more than that. He's been in a dozen different businesses, headed up a half a dozen corporations, a couple of bankruptcies, even a nasty court case. He's been flat broke and six months later been a walking blue chip. Been up and down more times than a yo-yo. Oh, it's a nice life if you can take it. But, feast or famine, he does everything big. Like the quarter of a million policy, huh? 
Well, it didn't seem out of line three years ago. It still doesn't. Not with the kind of money he's dragging out of the ground in Venezuelan oil. Hey, uh, this changing of beneficiaries, when did it begin? A little over a month ago. In succession, it's been his wife, his daughter, a brother, back to the wife, and now it's his daughter again. <laughs> Sounds like a woman trying to make up her mind about a dress. Price tag's a little different. What does it sound like to you? Give me a chance to get down there and look, will you? I mean off the top of your head. Oh, sounds like he's worried. Like he shouldn't buy any long-playing records. Look, Johnny, there's a clause in the policy that lets us investigate irregularities. Go take a look. Just don't expect him to cooperate. He's a big operator-type fella. I don't know. I never met him, but I like him already. What? His style. Any man who uses a slogan like, we lose a little on each deal, but think of the volume. Well, he's for me. I gotta keep him alive. Expense account item two, $329.88, airfare and incidentals to Caracas, Venezuela. It was about noon Sunday when the big plane lazed in over the Caribbean shoreline, pointed its nose for the Magida Airport in Caracas. Below us spread what's laughingly called man's handiwork, his progress. A few short years ago, it had been nothing but lush green jungle. Then came men shouting the magic word oil, and the jungle was now disappearing as fast as they could throw up the derricks and sink the drills progress. A taxi to the Hotel Parayo and a good lunch adds up to item three, four bucks even. I was ready for business. Knocking around in this game, you learn a lot of ways to save steps. On an out-of-country deal, for instance, the local police chief is one person you can't ignore. He can save you more than steps, blood sometimes. He turned out to be 35-ish, bright, relaxed. They might have changed the jungle, but nothing was going to alter Jefe Velasquez's style. He took his time, even after I told him why I was here. I'm sorry about the ceiling fan, Senor Dollar. Oh, what's wrong with it? It's working. See, but it's old-fashioned, not like the, um, how you say, uh, air condition in Estados Unidos. No problem. I'm comfortable. With all the money from the oil, you think they make modern these offices? No. It's air conditioned in the home, in the car, but not in the office. At least this one. <laughs> a fan. Well, I'll get to it. Hefe, I get the feeling you're steering away from discussing Billy Alder. Of course. Then there must be a reason. See, because I do not want to give you the bum cow. Oh, bum steer. Uh, gracias. Uh, what I mean is there is uh, nothing to put the finger on. To look at them is a nice family with lots of money living in a big, expensive house. But you spend a couple of hours there. You know, it's not that way. It's nothing you can see, but, uh... All, uh, underneath. Mm. You ever see an oil well fire, Juanito? Uh -huh. All the, the burning and burning under the ground. Then, when it's enough force, whoosh, everything explodes to the sky. It's exactly what you expect when will happen to these people. Someday. And still, it's hard to figure exactly why. Well, that is all. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate what you've given me. Now, what's the best way to get to the house? You go there, huh? That's where the job is. It's easy enough to get to, I tell you how. You mind if I ask a question, amigo? Shoot. In your own office, you got a fan or air condition? When I left him, he was even weighing the idea of spending his own money for an air condition. I went right on spending company money. For instance, item four, $39.55 deposit and first day's rental on a U-Drive automobile. A 20-minute drive over the autopista, that's a six-lane mountaintop freeway, less traffic jams, brought me to La Guiara, a clean, scrub-looking suburb on the edge of the Caribbean. 
The older house wasn't hard to find. Huge and impressive, it sat all by itself on a high promontory jutting out into the sea. I suddenly found that I'd become J. Dollar Intruder, because in the doorway of the house, a very luscious young lady was being enthusiastically and expertly kissed by a handsome young man. <clears throat> My cough must have been pretty frightening, because the boy took off around the house like a quarter horse. Not so the girl. She glared angrily as she came toward me. I hope you're satisfied. Well, embarrassed is a better word. I'm sorry about my time. I'll bet you are. Well, look, Miss. Happy I, now uh... that you've got something to tell my father? Well, go ahead and tell him. If you'd only slow then down a minute. while you're at it, tell him something else. That he can hire as many detectives as he likes. It still won't keep me from seeing Paul. Well, looks like he'll need track shoes to see him now. Very funny. Assuming that was Paul. Look, I don't... Assuming? Oh, now look, lady, you never gave me a chance to explain... Not too hard to figure why, well, who you think I am, but I'm not. My name is Johnny Dollar, and you're right about only one thing. I do want to see your father, but not for the reason you think. Okay? But I... I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar. Good. Are we friends now? I'm Peggy Alder. Yeah, I figured as much. Would you like to come in and wait, Mr. Dollar? Wait? My father isn't home at the moment. He shouldn't be over an hour, though. Fine. You won't say anything about what you saw... About Paul, I mean. Lady, the world is full of trouble. Why should I add to it? Billy Alder's selling methods may have been wild, high-pressure stuff, but there was taste in his home. And uh, when Peggy Alder put a drink into my hand and led me out to a patio, I was ready to get a drill and go oil hunting myself. Patio. It was a small, exclusive, man-made mountaintop 600 feet down to the Caribbean on three sides. If you were going to have troubles, this was the place to ponder them. Peggy Alder still didn't trust me completely. Inexpertly, she tried to dig out my reason for being there. Gave up after a while, then excused herself when her father showed up an hour later. I'm glad you're here, Dollar. What's wrong? Oh, uh, just surprised. Guess I expected to be tossed out. Why? <laughs> kind of delicate asking a man why he changes beneficiaries like some men change suits. I've read the policy. Your company is allowed to ask. We appreciate your feeling that way. But it says nothing about my having to answer. No, no, that's right. It doesn't. But it's hard not to draw conclusions. Such as? You're afraid somebody is, shall we say, gunning for you. But you don't know who. Am I right? Is that what your company thinks, too? Well, they don't think anything. But they'd like to know. Do you enjoy your trip down, Mr. Dollar? Uh, well, I take it I've worn out my welcome. Sorry. No, no, no. Sit down. I told you I was glad you're here. Then you shouldn't mind a couple of questions. I'll tell you nothing, Mr. Dollar. I admit nothing. Is that clear? Is it? Look here. Your company has a good deal to lose by my death. We just want to be sure nobody's thinking of it as a commercial venture. Then stay here, Mr. Dollar. Here, in this house. Keep me alive. Behind the calm, controlled demeanor, Billy Alder was loaded with fear. The worst kind of fear. The grinding, implacable kind of terror that for some reason has to be hidden. Two hours later, my bags had been sent for, and I was comfortably settled in a guest room only slightly larger than Pennsylvania Station. By dinner time that night, the only other people I'd seen in the house were the servants... Alder, his daughter, and I sat down to eat alone. 
I must apologize for Mrs. Alder's absence, Mr. Dollar. She went to the bullfights today. She's staying in town for dinner with the others. Uh, the others? We have several guests staying with us. Charming people, Mr. Dollar. Wait till you meet them. I think we can do without that kind of talk, Peggy. Are you defending them, Father? Guests. Don't you mean leeches, parasites? That'll do. At least they'd have the manners not to start a thing like this in front of Mr. Dollar. You may be excused any time you like. Gladly. Incidentally, thank you for disobeying my orders to keep Paul Kincaid away from this house. You you told him after you promised. Mr. Dollar told me nothing. You seem to forget that servants have eyes and ears. Sorry, didn't mean to embarrass you, Mr. Dollar. That's all right. <laughs> Kids. Can't do anything with them these days. Headstrong, no sense of values. <laughs> that Paul Kincaid, an oil field foreman. <laughs> Can you see him fitting in as Peggy's husband in the Billy Alder Enterprises? Quite a step up, if he can make it. Believe me, he never will. After dinner, Alder and I headed for that fabulous patio. I hoped he would open up, but he kept the talk general. Charming, witty, but simply conversation. Truthfully, I wasn't too unhappy, because the setting was one of those once-in-a-lifetime things. I couldn't take my eyes away from the lights far below. The glittering shoreline stretching from Carañero all the way to Puerto Cabello. That's when it happened. <laughs> the bullet smashed into the wooden canopy support just inches from Alder's head. So close that the splinters flew, buried themselves in his cheek. Mr. Alder, you all right? I, I think so. Stay here. I raced back through the house, headed for the front entrance as fast as I could. Outside, I tried to stare through the darkness into the only direction from which that shot could have come, the rolling jungle slope of the promontory. Sure, it looked deserted, but I knew it wasn't. Someone had to be out there, with five more bullets in his gun and murder in his heart. Johnny Dollar. This is Caracas Police, senor. I have Jefe Velasquez returning your call. Momentito, por favor. Thanks. I have the senor Dollar, Jefe. Gracias. Uh, good morning, amigo. It is, huh? Here it is. Here it ain't. Where is there? The Alder House in La Guiara. I'm staying here at Alder's request. Ah, you are uh, how they call a, a fast mover, amigo. Felicidades. Sorry, but felicitations are a little out of place. Trouble? Someone came within inches of killing Alder last night. I've got the bullet. How's your ballistic setup? At your disposal. Just bring it in. Thanks, I will. Maybe it's got something to say. I hope you're right. But, amigo... Yeah? Don't you think is the next bullet you should be worrying about? From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Caracas, Venezuela... To the Home Office Worldwide Mutual Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Alder Matter. Expense account continued. Expense account item five, five dollars even. Tip to one Nachos Gomez, servant in the big Alder house. For a good reason. He hadn't liked the idea of my prowling the slope alone last night looking for someone with a gun. He'd insisted on joining me. True, we hadn't found anything, but he'd been there. Five bucks isn't much to pay for a friend, and I had a feeling I could use one. 
I ate breakfast alone. Alder had already gone to his office, and the rest of the house was asleep. Nacho's breakfast tray rattled when he saw the money. For me, Senor Dollar? Why? Oh, call it appreciation. You didn't have to follow me out there last night. Well, you, you could have been hurt, Senor. You don't know the slope is a long drop to the bottom. Yeah, and lumpy. I didn't expect money. I, I did not do it for that. I know that. Go ahead, take it. Mil gracias. <laughs> Uh, something, uh... uh... I, I tell you something, senor. When you go running out there last night, I was sure you would find nobody. Oh, why? Would you suffer yourself? Too much, uh, how you call it, bushes, uh, too thick. They could be standing right next to you and you wouldn't know. Then why did you come streaking out after me? I told you. It's a long way down. One wrong step and... Psst. <laughs> In the States, that's an old joke. The punchline yeah. is... Watch that first step. It's a beaut. I got in the car I'd rented the previous day and headed toward Caracas. I passed the driving time pleasantly by counting oil wells. From that, I graduated to trying to figure how much money they made with each given stroke of the huge pumps. Nice kind of occupation? Sure. Specifically designed for a purpose. To keep me from worrying about the business at hand. Namely, why super salesman Billy Alder, insured for a quarter of a million dollars, should change his beneficiaries five times in a single month. Further, who'd taken that pot shot at him last night? Answers? I went back to counting oil wells. In Caracas, I headed for police headquarters and the head man, Jefe Velasquez. He turned the bullet over to his lab, but they were shorthanded. By lunchtime, I still had no report. So I took Velasquez to lunch. For a man who is living in a house like Billy Alder's, you do not look happy, amigo. That bullet traveled an inch more to the left. Billy Alder wouldn't need a house. It's a good point. You look too serious for a nice lunch. I fixed that. Hey, dame dos pisco sour, por favor. You, uh, you ever drink the pisco sour, amigo? No. Will it help? Well, they do not solve the case for you, but they make you happier about being worried. Well, maybe we'd better order doubles. They're confusing the Alder house. What do you think? Keep him alive, Alder says. But that's the only word you can get out of him. You feel the thing I mentioned yesterday, the, the, the tension, the strangeness? The only ones I've met are Alder and his daughter. You haven't met uh, Mrs. Alder, any of the others? Why? Mm, they got home late. After the shooting? Way after. Interesting. Oh, sure. It could have been any of them out on that slope. I do not worry about you, amigo. You will do fine. Well, I... Well, here's something else interesting. Alder doesn't want me to question any of them about that shot. Oh? Huh? You noticed there was no complaint to your office about the murder trial. I noticed. Because Alder wanted it that way. Like I say, interesting. Ah, hey, gracias, waiter. You sip that, amigo. See if it does not help. It's good? Oh, very nice. It will be nicer. Just give it time. You, uh, you still have the senior Billy Alder on your mind, eh? Yeah. Have another sip. Jefe. See? There's something else in my mind. You got to learn to relax, Johnny. You mentioned Mrs. Alder a few minutes ago. Seemed surprised I hadn't met her. What are you thinking of? Just that, uh, you living at the house. No, Jefe, it was more than that. Amigo, you are imagining. Come on, come on now, level with me. I'm far enough out in left field as it is. Write it off as professional courtesy, huh? You are a pretty nice-looking fellow, amigo. Don't snow me. Just I am me. simply trying to answer your question, Johnny. 
Mrs. Alda, how shall we say it? Uh, it does not make her angry to be seen in the company of a handsome man. I see. What's Mr. Alder's reaction? The elders must be people of breeding. If they have a quarrel, it is not in public. Thanks. But at the risk of seeming ungrateful, you could have mentioned that yesterday. It's a pretty good department, the Caracas police, amigo. You know why? Because I teach them always one thing at a time. Comprende? <laughs> Mucho, amigo. Come on. We eat, then we get back to the lab. If they have not finished, I fire everybody. Expense account item six, $14.85. Valesquez drank enough Pisco Sours to float the Normandy. Back at the police lamp, I wished I'd kept pace with him because all they could tell from the bullet was that it had come from a Luger. And Valesquez pointed out there must be a couple of thousand Lugers in Caracas. I headed back for the Alder House at La Guerra. Unless the members of that happy household slept all day, somebody should be alive and stirring. And they were people I wanted to meet badly. But I almost didn't make it. As I approached the main gate, I noticed another car parked along the side of the road about 50 feet from it. Suddenly it roared into life, shot forward, screamed to a stop, and cut me off, almost piling me into the entrance pillars. You darn fool, what's the matter with you? Plenty. You know who I am, Dollar? I know this. If you ever try a stunt like that again, I'll ram those pearly teeth right down your throat. Tough guy, huh? There's an easy way of finding out. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. I ask you if you knew who I am. Sure I do. Paul Kincaid, the lad who was smooching with Billy Alder's daughter yesterday. You taking bows? You just couldn't wait to tell Alder about it, could you? Your girl's been telling you lies, Kincaid. I just happen to be there. If you don't want to be seen, don't neck in doorways. Now, just a minute, Dollar. And speaking of people in wrong places, I thought you were a foreman in the oil fields. I don't see any derricks on the older property. I took the day off so I could come over and see you. Well, you getting a good look? Yeah. And I still think Alder hired you to keep Peggy away from me. Now, you keep out of my head, Dollar. What are you staring for? Well, now, everybody's full of wild ideas today. I just had one that maybe isn't so wild. Like maybe you just ad-libbed a reason for being here. And the real one is to sneak out on the slope and see if you can't find an empty Luger shell. What? There has to be one out there, you know. You saying I took that shot at Alder? I don't know. How bad do you want to marry into the Alder money? <coughs> I saw the punch coming, slipped it, and threw my own. It was a jilly while it lasted. It lasted too long. You get a set of arms working in an oil field. He had them, all right. And those punches hurt. So I went to judo. Even then, he was tough. I guess I'd better get in shape or take up accounting. A look in the car mirror made one thing clear. I couldn't take a face like that through the front door. When I reached the house, I skirted it, managed to get to the service entrance without scaring the life out of anyone. Here, my little gift to Nacho Gomez, seat item five, began to pay off. He hustled me up to my room by the back stairs, and without waiting to be asked, he got busy with bandages and things. You, you win, senor? You Oh, would you believe it if I said yes? Only through politeness, I think. Oh, oh, Perdón, señor. That one was pretty deep. Caray. Yeah, what's the matter? I was just thinking, if you really win, I hate to see the loser. Thanks, but I can do it without seeing him again. That is about the best I can do, señor. Yeah, well, okay, thanks. Oh, no, it's nada. Con su permiso, señor. Sure, I... just tell me one thing, will you? 
Is anything going on downstairs? Well, how, how do you mean, senor? Well, that racket we hear coming up. Uh, racket? Oh, you mean El Montante. Montante? The bullfighter? The finest matador in the world, senor. Did you not know he's the guest of the house? He's staying here? Oh, si. The senor and senora Alder, they're big aficionados. They love the corrida. New style, isn't it? Finding bulls in the house? <laughs> no, senor. Montante, he just gave a, how you say, a, a demonstration of the passes with the cape, you know? Uh-huh. Oh, it's beautiful. Why you not go down and watch, senor? You see, you will enjoy. It's lovely, the fine bullfighter. Anybody ever ask the bull about that? After Nacho's gentle ministrations and a quick change of clothes, I must confess I look slightly more like a human being again. Uh, slightly. Anyhow, I wandered downstairs, headed for the huge living room. And it was like walking into another world, alive and pulsating to the music from a record player. Five or six people stood around, hypnotically beating time, their eyes glued to the great El Montante, a handsome Spaniard who skillfully worked a bullfighter's cape in the center of the floor. Nacho hadn't exaggerated. Montante was beautiful to watch. But the feeling wasn't unanimous. Billy Alder and his daughter Peggy were the only people in the room I knew. And though they beat time with the others, they both shared the same expression on their faces. Intense dislike for the man with the cape. As I shifted my attention to them, a woman tore reluctant eyes away from the matador and moved quietly toward me. She wasn't really beautiful, but tremendously chic, for want of a better word. And that made her seem beautiful. I'm Constance Alder, Mr. Dollar. Welcome to our home. Well, thank you, Mrs. Alder. I'm afraid I've been negligent as a hostess. Oh, we've just missed connections, that's all. Charmingly put. Do you mind if I wait to introduce you to the others? When Montante's finished? No, of course not. Please go on back. Don't worry about me. I'm doing fine. Thank you. I watched her as she crossed the room, then realized that someone else was doing exactly the same thing, her husband, Billy Alder. Only the look on his face was the same glaring dislike with which he'd favored the cape-wielding matador. Interesting. Then after a long moment, Constant Alder moved quietly out of the room, as though not wishing to disturb the others. The performance was still going strong, and after about five minutes, I moved out onto the patio, stood looking down at the La Guerra Harbor. Because it was on my mind, I stared down at the spot on the slope from which the Luger had been fired. And I saw that someone was there, awkwardly searching the ground. A moment later, they straightened up, moved a few feet to continue the search. Even in the late afternoon sun, there couldn't be any mistake in the search's identity. It was Constance Alder. Now here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, two sides of the same old yarn. And whichever side you choose, you've got to call it wrong. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Tony Barrett, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. A solid episode, mostly set up, but everything so far was well played. I particularly liked the fight with Kate and Kate. It seems like most old-time radio detective fights seem to end with a knockout one way or another. I like Johnny unleashing his judo just to get away with a split decision. Brought some variety to the whole fighting thing. All right, well, listener comments and feedback now, and we turn to Howard, who commented regarding the long shot matter on YouTube. How many times has Johnny Dollar been hit in the head by now? He has many cracks in his cranium and is probably in protocol concussion. Well, uh, thanks for the comment, Howard. Now, I did wonder if there was an answer to how many times he had been knocked unconscious, and I figured that if anyone would have a a precise account, John Abbott would in the Who is Johnny Dollar matter, but actually in that book, he doesn't even give a range, but he does indicate it happens a lot, perhaps even nearly every episode. And his observation is that the second occurrence must have made Johnny's head look like a phrenologist's nightmare with the numerous bumps, gashes, gullies, and chasm inflicted by over 12 years' worth of abuse. One wonders why Johnny did not stammer and lumber around like a punch-drunk fighter. I guess another item for those who go with the Johnny Dollar was a Time Lord explanation for the different actors who played him. But while it happened a lot to Johnny, it didn't happen a lot to any of the on-air, hard-boiled private detectives, whether you were talking Philip Marlowe, Sam Spade, Richard Diamond, and of course, you know, you have Richard Rogue over there hallucinating (laughs) and speaking to a wee voice in his head every time he gets knocked out. It really is part of the suspension of disbelief you have to have with these programs. You know, the old Superman movie posters, You Will Believe a Man Can Fly. Old-time radio detective version is, You'll believe that a man can take 40 concussions a year and be just fine. And then we have a couple of listener emails. And this one comes from Jade. Dear Adam, I've been listening to some old-time radio sci-fi podcasts, which are much less interesting than great detectives without your commentary. And I've been amazed by the connections. I love hearing the announcements about the next program that evening. One time Dragnet and another Tales of the Texas Rangers. At the moment, I'm listening to a Dimension X program from 1950 about the dangers of AI called logics and virtual assistants. Incredible. Best, Jay. Well, thank you so much, Jay. And I do enjoy hearing connections myself. And it's been fascinating on NBC programs to hear ads from 1951 for the Blandings, and that, of course, is a series that we played on The Amazing World of Radio this summer. And even when I was doing the Old Time Dragnet podcast, that was one of the things that got me to check out both Barry Craig and Counterspy, was hearing them mentioned on Dragnet. Although, it was tough to find the Barry Craig episode and the Counterspy episode that matched up with the Dragnet episode I was listening to. And that's the only thing that's frustrating about Connections is when it's 
connects to a series or an episode that doesn't exist anymore. And we've heard ads for a few of those programs on Dangerous Assignment, like the Bob Hope Daily program and the Eddie Cantor showbiz program from the mid-50s. But I enjoy those connections when I do hear about them, and they connect to something I can listen to. I had actually been in the planning stages for starting a science fiction podcast, and I actually had penciled in that I wanted to launch it in September of last year. My plan was to play two episodes a week, a combination of anthology series like Dimension X and X-1, and then space adventure series like Flash Gordon and Space Patrol. Now, I had to deal with the disappointment that I could not figure out any way to get Jimmy Durante's performance of We're Going UFO and License so I could use that as theme music. Then I started listening to episodes. And I realized, uh, first of all, that it was really not a good idea to try to launch one podcast right after we'd launched Old Time Radio Snack Wagon. And then I, I kind of had an epiphany about the anthology program. And the situation with a lot of these shows is that I'd listened to quite a few of them over the years. An emphasis on the over the years part, I'd listen to some as part of app extras or just on an occasion every now and again. And there were some really interesting stories. There was things like the non-humanoid alien who played baseball, Martian Sam. And then there was this one with Jackson Beck called The Merchant of Venus, which posited some interesting ideas, but I think made some faulty assumptions, but was still interesting to listen to. And then uh, a really interesting one that Ned Weaver was in. And of course, the Green Hills of Earth episode with actual music was really entertaining. But these were all just sort of random episodes that I grabbed. I started listening to the start of X-1, and I just realized this is dark. And the start of that series is just unrelenting, week after week. And I came to the realization with these sci-fi anthology programs, maybe it's just where I'm at in my life, that it's kind of like with The Whistler or even Suspense, where an episode every now and again is fine, but I don't want to be listening to that every single week. Although I may use the more adventure-based sci-fi series in the old-time radio adventure series when we get that launched Still working out details on that one. But thanks for the email, Jay. And then we have an email here from Joy Elizabeth, who writes, Dear Mr. Graham, I have been a long-time listener. At least I started when I was 15 or 16 years old, and I'm now 20 years old. I absolutely love your podcast, as I love all history from the World War II era, and you're very insightful. I was wondering, simply because I don't want it to come to an end eventually, would you consider redoing all of the shows? I'm just curious because, as I said, I love the way your podcast is set up, and it is so unique from all the other ones that are out there. 
And I really appreciate how you play all of the different actors, like all of the Johnny Dollars and both Sam Spades, and don't just stick to one. Every time one actor replaces another, I'm super dubious about the incoming one. However, I love Stephen Dunn as Sam Spade, and I really enjoyed Edmund O'Brien and John Lund as Johnny Dollar, even though I had thought Howard Duff and Bob Bailey couldn't be replaced. In fact, I might be the odd one out, but as much as I like Bob Bailey, I liked O'Brien's and Lund's portrayal better. The only one I didn't appreciate was the replacement Rocky Jordan. Well, thank you for keeping these alive in the era of TV and for giving so much context in your commentary. I absolutely love to be able to create the images in my head instead of having them given to me. This is so important to history. Sincerely, uh, Joy Elizabeth. Well, thank you so much uh, for the question, Joy Elizabeth, and for your very kind email. I would say that there are a few series that I would probably not replay. I think that they were good enough that they deserve to be heard, but I don't think I would enjoy going through them again. But there aren't any really huge series I would put in that particular category. It's definitely something that I'm thinking about as we're 15 seasons into this. I think when I started out with the thousands of programs out there, the last thing really on my mind was okay, what are you going to do when you run out of episodes? Did not occur to me that that could someday become a problem. I'm definitely open to replaying series as uh, the years go on. I personally would like to at least finish 20 seasons, which at this point, as far as I know, is going to require us revisiting some old series. But that's still a few years off. I can definitely see some justifications beyond just keeping the series going. As a listener emailed me a few weeks back, on many of those early episodes, my commentary was very short. And there could be a lot of reasons for that. I I may not have had necessary resources to really research and look into everything. It, part of the challenge with many of those early seasons was that not only was I holding down a full-time job, I was also doing a lot of other things on the side. I might be in a situation where I would get to 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning and get my commentary recorded in time to get to bed so that I could get up at 6.15. And that's probably not the formula for delivering your best quality. And the other thing is just the audio quality. And here I'm talking about the underlying recordings. For the original run of Let George Do It, we were dealing exclusively, I think there might have been like four or five files that were better quality, but almost exclusively with 32 kbps encodes, which... They weren't horrible quality, but there's a lot better quality for Let George Do It, as you would have heard on the Thanksgiving special. It might be nice to go through the lineup in the original broadcast order, now that the researchers have kind of figured that out a little bit better. And to go through it in like one big chunk, rather than, you know going back and forth to the series like three or four times to get through all the episodes because it was still being researched and compiled. So I'm open to 
redoing a lot of series. There's also some things that I, I will look into probably in terms of licensing some programs that wouldn't necessarily be old-time radio, but we'll have to see about that. At this point, I'm not looking for an exit strategy for the podcast, so we'll continue to work to find our way forward. I appreciate your email so much. It's always really encouraging to hear that younger people are listening to the podcast and enjoying it. I appreciate everyone that listens, but there's just something about hearing from someone who's 15 or 20 and enjoys what we're doing. All right, well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Peter, Patreon supporter since March of 2023, currently supporting the program at the Master Detective level of $15 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Peter. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. We'll be back on Friday with the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial. But join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... Uh, pardon me, may I trouble you for a match? Will a lighter do? But of course. Thank you. I am Zagreb. We will get off at the next corner. Will we? You object? I'd feel better about it if you took your hand out of your coat pocket. Sorry, no. Now get up. Walk to the rear of the car. Slowly. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.